Welcome to the Narrow Way Podcast with Micah and Royce, where we discuss modern conservative ideas, self-improvement, applied philosophy, faith, technology, and much more. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, sir? Wonderful, wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. So the topic for today is uh, an expository look at one of both of our favorite poems. I know people hear poems and they immediately think, oh, no. <laughs> what are they thinking? But this is the one of the rare exceptions to the, to the rule when it comes to poems. Yeah. It's, yeah. Go ahead. It, it almost transcends the preconceptions. Yeah. Yeah, it's not one of those lovey-dovey ones. It's it was kind of the thought in my mind of, you know, a lot of things about gender and you know, uh what is a woman? Like that's a really popular question, especially that conservatives ask liberals to kind of have them stop and think because of all the stuff that's going on, you know. It's a big part of the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. That question. It is. But this particular poem answers a different question. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one that it really concludes the whole thought and it's almost like what's a man? Yeah. What is what it and I would I would add there just what's a good man, you know, because it's not just any man would like fulfill this. No, this this stuff that we go through here in this poem is it has to be on purpose. It's not gonna just happen. The poem is if by Rudyard Kipling, mm-hmm. very famous poem that I'm sure many people have probably ran across at some point in their life, maybe in school, or mm-hmm. I think that was the first time that I came across it. Kind of pops up every once in a while, it seems like, just when you need it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's one that I think as you get older, you start to understand it more. Like we talked recently about different phases of life and time and and it's one of those things like that grows with you, like because you see the different things he's talking about as you progress through life and they become more personal and, and special to you. And, and, and you automatically put your own personal experiences in those lines of, of the poetry that he gives there. I think that's kind of a hallmark of any great work of literature or poetry or um, writing is you can come back to it at different points in your life and it's almost like it takes on a completely different meaning. Like you can read a book when you're 18 and and you get certain things out of it and you can read a book when you're the same book when you're 40 and like you see it it's it almost is a completely different book to you because of how you've changed and then you read it when you're 70 and it's again completely different because you've changed so much the book's the same but i mean you could say that about the bible too that's very much definitely a hallmark of of that i found but yeah it's a, it's amazing the verses that stick out you know that as you read through it you know and however many times you've read through it, you know, every time you go through it again, like certain things stick out and, and I highlight as I read through it. And, and so naturally my eyes go to that the next time I go through it. But then I'm like, how did I not highlight this verse? How did I not highlight this? Or, you know, and it's just, 
yeah, it's, it's interesting how that goes, you know, and it's almost like, and it's the same is true with really good movies and, and stuff like that. I, I find myself now where before I was always the star, you know, now I'm the, the mentor, the role more so, or the middle-aged, you know, person that's helping out you know, not the main character that everyone's looking to, like, this is the hero. It's like, no, I'm probably this, this guy here now. And, and, and it's okay, you know, to be that, you know, and that's, that's something that takes a while too, to, to get over that hump of, yeah, probably more of a support role now, not the, the star. (laughs) The protagonist. Yeah. So what's the first line? Oh, it's a good one. All right, here we go. If. First line. And we'll probably do the first two lines because they kind of go together. Yeah, the first phrase. Yeah, first phrase. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. You can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. What a perfect analogy of our current day and age. (laughs) Right. I mean, this is really, in essence, a encouragement to keep a level head. Yeah. To under stress, under all the different conditions that you might find yourself in you know when people are freaking out to keep a level head i mean how 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 beneficial is that when you can go through a stressful situation and keep a a cool and level attitude yeah this is one that a lot of things come to my mind first is war uh, and just how people change in war and it's not always you know, the generals and people like that that are able to keep that cool head. Sometimes it's the privates that are out there and they're new to war too, but under those situations, they've just either been through situations that are stressful before and learned to keep their head or they have a gift to where it's like, nope, this is what has to be done. Instead of, you know, freaking out when everybody else is freaking out, they learn to have that level head on their, um, I also think of doctors, you know, especially emergency room, you know, and it's why a lot of like, I think every doctor is required to serve in the emergency room uh, through medical school. And it's to teach them this and it's to show them somebody's going to come in and their bones going to be hanging out of their body. And you've got to be the one that calms everyone down and does what needs to be done not what you want to feel like doing, which is either puking your guts out or passing out, you know, or <laughs> you freaking see, out or freaking out. Yeah. And, and, and everyone around you is going to be freaking out because that's not normal. That's not natural. And, and so you have to be the one to calm down, to stay level headed, make the right decisions and do what needs to be done. And I also think of surgeons, you know, when oops, a tap happens and, Nick artery or something like that happens, you know, in this huge, everyone in the room's going, Oh no, what do we do now? You know, it's didn't go as planned and you've got to be the one, this is what we do. And, and level headed fix, correct. 
the thing that is happening. Uh, but the biggest one I think that fits here is probably business owners because everybody blames the boss. Everybody blames whoever's in charge and you feel it even though it's so a lot of times it's not spoken to their face <laughs> because uh, you know, no one wants to get fired because of something they're saying, but, but you know, when things aren't going well and people know they're not going well and you feel the pressure of everyone knows whose fault it was, whose decision it was that we did this, whose idea this was that we go this direction. And so they're blaming everything on you, but you're keeping your head. You're saying, nope, we're holding the course to do this. Do you think the ability to stay calm is purely a product of experience? Or do you think it is an ability that you can develop outside of the actual experience? I think to a certain extent you need just you need to have been through some amount of high pressure situations, you know, to really try yourself. But do you think that it's something that if you haven't been through certain high pressure situations that you could still go into those and keep a cool head with a certain temperament? Um, you know, to me, I think it's kind of both. I think that you can sharpen uh, from research, studying, understanding, because the more you know, the more you can snap yourself out of the panic to say, no, I've trained for this. I know what needs to be done. And, and then you can focus on doing it. Um, but the initial reaction. I don't think, I think that has to be with experience because anybody that sees a kid fall and his arm pops out of his skin or, or anyone who sees somebody get shot for the first time and, and, and literally someone they know just got shot right in front of their face in war. I mean, you, you can't fabricate that type of experience. I don't think that that initial reaction is something that you can prepare for. It has to be uh, done through experience, but, but to better prepare yourself for that, to, to snap yourself out of it, to keep the level head, I think can be prepared for. It really comes down to you're trying to control your central nervous system, right? When the thing happens, your body dumps all this adrenaline, norepinephrine into your system, like instantly to prepare you, you go into that fight or flight mode, Right. And learning how to control that because you're, you can't not have that reaction. Like physically you can't not have the, unless you're just so numb, you know, cause it happens every day, which you can get to that point. Most people don't. Sure. I mean, maybe the emergency room doctor can, maybe the, the soldier can, but for most people, when they get into that high pressure situation, especially if it's a very acute short term thing, they're going to have just this, dump of adrenaline and it's like you know your your blood runs cold they say and being able to breathe and control that physical state is a huge part of getting through 
those situations with as you know a level head as much as possible. Yeah, it's interesting. They came out, I think, with a like a reality show. I I want to say it was probably ten years ago or something. But it, what they would do is they would put your heart rate monitor on, and then what they would do is they would try to raise it above a certain level. And if you could keep your heart rate below a certain point, then you win the show and win a bunch of money. And so they bring bees all over their snakes and put around people fire and you know always doing everything they can to try and raise their heart rate. And it's kind of interesting how that kind of this, that's what you're trying to do is with all these fears, with all these things that are meant to cause stress, they, they're, they cause stress in everyone. So you're excused really if they cause stress in you as well. It's a, no, I'm not going to be like everybody. I'm not going to use that excuse to, to allow myself to give into this. Instead, I'm going to stay the course, focus on what's important and continue going. And, and it also, I think, plays perfectly into family, especially for men and family, because men are very much seen as the leader of the home many times and the directions and things that, that the family goes, a lot of that is on the, the man's shoulders. And uh, when things don't go well, they you're going to hear about it, especially from family, because they don't hold back because you're around them every day and you made the decision. So you better keep your head because they're going to blame it on you. And so, yeah, it all comes back to a fear of dying. Yeah. You know, or a fear of being um, ostracized, you know, the social part of the equation, you know, it comes to having courage and, and staying calm all those responses are in you to keep you from dying yep and but in most situations in modern society dying's not the issue so you're dealing with all of these things physically and mentally that are there to keep you from dying but really they can have the opposite effect in a lot of situations and you have to be able to control them. Definitely. Controlling your thoughts. And do you think being comfortable with your own mortality is necessary to achieve the, uh, a level headed state? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's not putting too much pressure on anything. Uh, that's, that's an important point because if you want something too bad, then you're going to overextend yourself, which puts you in the stressful situation and causes a lot of these reactions. And so it's learning to say, this is what we're going for. If we don't achieve it, that's okay. So keeping realistic goals, but not placing so much pressure on achieving that goal to the point where if we don't achieve it, we're we're crushed, you know? Um, and, And so putting things in the right priority but yes, also understanding that, uh, especially in war, like you were saying, I think that's a big one in war and that applies with death the most because a mistake could cause you your life in war. And so I think, yeah, that one definitely would apply in war or I, I can also see like a, the captain of the ship, you know, especially before we had all the stuff we have today, like captains had to keep the crew sane and 
fed and made sure there was enough for everything for the voyage. And if you got off course a little bit, you know, there was a lot of mutinies and things like that that would happen because people were uh, putting it all in the captain, you know. And so in those types of situations, I definitely think you got to be ready to be wrong, too, you know. Um, and, and if you're wrong, what's the consequence? Okay, I've got to be able to know that going in and accept that. And that live with it. Yeah, and live with it. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. Mm. Trusting yourself is a hard one. I think it's really tough to build self-confidence without proof, without doing the thing. If you do it enough you're confident. Yeah. But I don't think you can get to that state without a certain amount of at least related experience. Yeah. I, I guess we just, we played disc golf this afternoon and, and I think of how many times I've played specific holes mm-hmm. and yet still, when I get up to throw, I've made the right shot before. And the, probably one of the best shots you can make. I've made it before. And yet still there's this lack of confidence when I get up there to throw because it's like so many things have to go right for it to work and land right. And, and so even though I've done it very, a lot of times, I think that doesn't always apply in every situation. There's some times where you're just going to have to let her fly and see what happens and, and, and just say, okay, you know, people are going to doubt that I'm able to do this, but I'm going to give it my best shot and see what happens. And, and like you said, like it says, make allowance for their doubting. And in, in, in other words, listen to their doubts, listen to what they're saying. Oh, you're going to hit a tree. Okay. I see the tree. Make sure this is where I'm aiming aim at a smaller point so I don't even see the tree, you know, adjusting your plan to apply uh, for the information that's been given um, to understand it. And, and yeah, that's, that's not an easy thing to do is, is, and I agree with you that most of the time, the only way to build trust in yourself is by repetition Uh, because some people, they just, they get up and do amazing things. I, I think I like the NBA of you see them warm up and they make 33 pointers in a row. And in the game, there's the pressure and defense and all that stuff. But if they're left wide open, they can make that shot all day. And it's not even, it, it's almost automatic. And, and just how, it's just been repetition over and over shooting that same exact shot muscle memory to the point that, okay, now I don't even think when I throw this, it just goes in. And when it doesn't go in, that's a shock, you know? Um, and thousands of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Growing and growing, trying to do that. But then you, like you said, that self-confidence does build and that muscle memory builds and, and you're able to do that. And yeah, but the doubting part's hard, you know, 
because people can get you to doubt yourself even. And if even the slightest thing changes, like it goes back to the first point almost. If you listen too much to what they say, your heart rate goes, your adrenaline gets stronger, and then you throw the ball a little too far and it hits the back of the room and just pops out and you don't make your shot, you know. So it's keeping that level head like in practice, releasing smooth motion, repetition, same thing I always do, and fulfilling to be able to do it. And so, yeah. Sticking to the plan, trusting the plan. You know, if it's something that you don't have the repetition in, maybe it's a, a business move, maybe it's... um. Maybe it's getting married. Maybe it's any of these things that you don't have the opportunity to practice, practice, right? But you have a plan, a well-thought-out plan. Maybe you listened to the doubting of others and took that into consideration, but you, you stick to the plan. And if the plan's wrong, well, then you're wrong. But if the plan is proven... You stick to it. That's your confidence. But you have to be- you have to believe in the plan. You have to believe in yourself because you made the plan. So if you made it, you believe in it. Got to stick to it. Yeah, and I think this is this is a very important leadership point because followers love to doubt, but they don't want their doubt to change the plan even though they think they do <laughs> if they see if they see something that's scary they want to point it out but if they see that that oh i haven't thought of that or i oh oh well okay yeah you're right so let's change it and do this well then all of a sudden then all the heat's coming on their shoulders because they made the change and, and now they're going oh wait no you do what you think is best i just wanted to let you know that this yeah. fear exists you know and it's that backpedal you know to to not take all the heat because that's what leadership is is you're taking the role and you're you have the plan and you should think out everything you should listen to what other people are saying but ultimately you need to know that you're you're the guy that's gonna take all the heat if this fails so go with what you think is best having heard all the advice you know yeah one of the best pieces of leadership advice that I've ever come across, and I don't know where exactly it came from or if it's quotable, but it's essentially is the best leaders will deflect all the praise and bear all the responsibility or the blame. So if the team does good, it's because of the team, not because of you. Yeah. If the team does bad, it's because of you, not the team. And if you can operate like that, you'll build loyalty, you'll build trust, and you will build a solid team. Instead of, obviously most people get that backwards because that's human nature, right? You want to take the praise. Oh, the team does good. It was because of me. Yeah. And if, you know, somebody on the team screws up well that's because of that we failed because of this person yeah we failed because my my guys aren't you know doing their job but well they're not doing your job their job because you're a bad leader mm-hmm. 
that's your problem, not there. I mean, yes, it's theirs, but that's not how you're supposed to look at it. Yeah. That is true. You know, I, I think that the best and most productive businesses out there, there's no excuse for poor production. And so everybody, even like the best football teams, you know, you always see them, the coaches, what are they saying? They're like, well, we can still get a lot better. You know, it's never, yeah, you, we creamed them. That's pretty good. I mean, it could be 70 to zero and they're still going, well, there's, there's a lot of places we could be better, you know, because they're learn They know that if you get, if you get that overconfidence or if you get content with where you're at, those are the things that will kill progress and advancement. And so you gotta, you gotta just to, like you said, push the praise out, look at the stuff that can still be improved. And I think you look at that phrase, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, that, that keeps you from getting too cocky. Yeah. Too overconfident. Mm -hmm. You never want to be a hundred percent. This is just another day at the office. Yeah. There's always got to be a little bit, yes, a healthy amount of stress, yeah, that keeps you on the edge. And, and when you do, when you experience success, there's this temptation to say, "I know everything," like I know it all now. Or, I'm a multi-million dollar company, or I, I'm able. So no one, I don't need to listen to anybody anymore. And that's when you see these amazing companies tank. You know, because a lot of multi-million dollar companies have gone bankrupt. Yep. M- most of them actually <laughs> right. end up going. I mean, you look at most companies over even over the past hundred years, one of the greatest periods of growth in American, you know, in history, economically speaking. Most companies fail eventually. Mm-hmm. It is very rare to have a company that can continue to innovate and operate through you know, and count their history in decades. And it's, I think why it's such a point in advertising. They always add that date on there since what such and such a date or been in business for 60 years or 80 years or however many years they attach to it. It's a badge of honor. Like we've gone through it all and we're still here. Yeah. But still, even then I've seen companies started in 80 years ago that new leadership different philosophy two years later bankruptcy yep you always got to stay in that zone of proximal development yeah stay on the edge it's true and we've talked about time before like 60 years is maybe two leaders you know maybe maybe two two major changes you know in a good company and so you see a you see the difference start to happen and and it can easily that that one that wasn't raised right shown right gets in power and tanks it so all right next one if you can wait and not be tired by waiting you can wait not be tired by waiting so the next 3 are one liners but they're they're interesting. This is something in that we've all gotten progressively worse at as a society <laughs> as a whole is being able to wait for stuff because you can get 
I mean, I ordered something last night at nine o'clock in the evening off of Amazon, a new tool that I just had to have. <laughs> I needed it. Okay. I ordered it. It was here at seven o'clock this morning. It was here before I could even think, oh, I wonder when that's going to show up. Yep. Like I ordered it. I went to bed. I woke up and it was here. Wow. That's crazy. It is. that You can order something on the internet and it shows up the next morning, first thing. I don't got to wait for anything anymore. Yeah. Food comes, gets delivered to your door. And oh, yeah. Grubhub. Mm-hmm. DoorDash. All those, even Uber and stuff for driving around places too. Now everything's so convenient and it's expedited. Like it's not going to work unless it's fast enough. To I mean, who does standard needs. shipping anymore, man? Yep. It does. Especially since, yeah, Amazon Prime made that two-day shipping, you know, mm-hmm. a big selling point. And so, yeah, but yeah, with fulfillment centers around you now, it's just crazy how fast you're getting that and. Well, because nobody likes to wait, right? So, I mean, it makes complete sense why that would be such an advantage. Yeah. You know, to have something. Oh, I can get it faster. You know, if you have an option, you have two options, and the only difference is one shows up a day faster, you're going to pick the day faster because it's, it makes it more valuable to you. Yeah. So, that, we, talk, we talked a little bit about this during our time episode about yeah. how if you're enjoying things, how quickly time goes by. And then if things are hard for you or difficult to understand or think how school slows down, church slows down sometimes, you know, and it's just like, how does our brain work like that to where it seems like when you're doing the fun thing, it goes by so fast and you can't, can't even enjoy the moment. It seems like because it's going by so quickly. And then other times it's like, you're watching the clock at school and it's like one minute feels like an eternity for school to be out, you know? And yeah, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting. I, I don't even know. I couldn't explain this to anyone how you get better at that. You do it. I think it's, I think it's deeper than something you can, I think it's something that stems from your overall philosophy on life like in your your overall character you know i struggle with this one because i like to be on time and if i'm on if i like to be on time it means i like other people to be on time right exactly and so that's that's a hard one because i think that's what this is also kind of talking about it's saying now you've got to learn to wait but not just wait because Sometimes you have to wait. You don't get a choice. But it's also while you're waiting, you don't get tired of it. You don't you don't allow it to affect you. You don't allow it to change you because like in a meeting, if you're if somebody's late to a meeting, it can kind of ruin the meeting because you've been sitting there, you've been waiting, and when you're waiting for someone else, that's when the time slows down again. It's like five minutes how 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 can they be five minutes you know it's like that's not that much time right (laughs) but it seems like so much more in the moment and then it ruins the meeting because you're already frustrated with the person and yeah so many things can stem from that 
Yeah, I think it's disrespectful to be late, generally speaking, because you're disrespecting someone else's time. When I look, when I read this, I think about big stuff. Like waiting on the stock market to go back up, Mm. waiting on your retirement to come, waiting on those more extended periods of time, waiting on success, waiting on the break. Purity before marriage. Waiting on that. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Like people that have learned and not being upset and being tired by it and just saying, Oh, woe is me because I've done this and trying to bring it up all the time. And yeah, that's not complaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not get tired of waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. Bible story. Yeah. Jacob, who is later renamed to Israel, the, the father of, of the nation of Israel. He goes to, he finds this woman, right, Rachel, and it's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. He's like, man, how can I marry this this chick? You know, I I got to whatever. And her father says, of course, back in the olden days when uh, it wasn't as straightforward as it is now. He goes to her father and says, "What do I got to do?" You know, has the dad talk. What do I got to do? Well, son, you got to work for me for seven years. And then she's all yours. Seven years. I mean, I've been married for almost seven years myself now. (laughs) And to think that when I met my, it's been about seven years since I met my wife. Yeah. Put it that way. And to think that, okay, Imagine meeting her when I did and not even working, just not being able to get married until now. It would be like, no way. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yes. I got deal breaker for total deal breaker for everyone in their right mind. And to think of that, but not only that, he gets tricked. So the, he works this seven years. The man puts in the work. And he gets to the seven-year mark and says, okay, I've worked my seven years. I get to collect, so to speak. And the old man tricks him. <laughs> and somehow he sneaks his uglier, older daughter in. And they get married, unbeknownst to him. Still don't quite understand how that works because yeah. he didn't figure it out till the next day. But yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a gray area, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But and then he says, "You tricked me." He says, "Yeah." The old man says, "Yeah." Well, you know, She's we got older. these rules. Yeah. She's older. She has to get married first. You know, and I just, it's like, ah, how could you? What do I got to do now? I still want to marry Rachel, the younger, beautiful one. Well. Son, you got to work for another seven years. Yeah. And he says, okay. If the first seven years wasn't a deal breaker. If the first seven years, yeah. If that wasn't a deal breaker, this is definitely, this is ridiculous. Yes. Okay. This guy, I mean, we're going out behind the woodshed because yeah. this is absolutely ridiculous. Nope. Works another seven years. 
14 years yeah. he devotes to this. Not only is he waiting, he's also working for this guy, her father. And to think of the amount of patience and just pure waiting ability that that would take. Not getting tired in the waiting. You know. Not being like, because, you know, even as you can say, oh, yeah, you know, that's crazy. But if you really like someone, you know, you're in love. Oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll work seven years. Man, about a year in, you're like, ah, oh, she's not that pretty. Yeah, she's not that great. She, yeah, I'm done. You know, the, the first the, time you get in a disagreement with the father, oh, future yeah. father-in-law, the chemicals like, start to die ya. down. You know, <laughs> you're like, well, I don't know if I really want to finish this out. Maybe, maybe we'll change. Nope. Yeah, seven more years. Yeah, we'll probably do a an episode on marriage eventually. But yeah, that, I've talked to. You know, I've thought about this and when I was younger, it never entered my mind, but just how like arranged marriages, it's like, how did, you know, our, our society that, how could you ever do something like that? But then at the same time, it's like, well, hold on. We believe in marriage for life. You're going to put that in the hands of an 18 year old to make a decision when they're that young. And that, that many changes and hormones are running and all those things are happening. You're going to put that much into that young person that they're going to make a decision for the rest of their life at that age. To be fair, most people do not get married at 18. Sure. Even the people who maintain their purity, you know, abstain from relations prior to marriage even then i would say majority of people don't get married at 18 sure but even at 25 you're still pretty yeah well can you, especially on the girl side because that's that's who most of the range marriages was it, the, yeah. the young man was seeking whereas the young woman was the one that was said okay yeah this is my daughter you can marry her and the dad decide for the woman and the idea is is that ladies are emotional and they're going to fall in love with who they fall in love with. And if he's a deadbeat that can't keep a job, they're still going to fall in love with him. And then later on down the road, they're going to realize, well, it's a really big deal that he can't keep a job, you know. And all of a sudden, wow, maybe I should have listened to my parents. Wow, if this really was my dad's decision, my life would be a lot better right now. But that's vehemently. Oh. That's that's the worst thing you could say to a modern, modern oh, person. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like... The most offensive, obnoxious, patriarchal. Yes. But the proof's in the pudding. It is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish wish life worked a lot differently than it does. But Yeah, and I think, in well, like I said, I don't know if we'll make an episode on it, but I think we need to emphasize the importance of, of listening. Listening to the older people that are around you trying to give you advice because they're able to see from a distance. And you're not. You're, you're in there and you're feeling the feelings and you're excited and you see the googly eyes and, and, and all that you don't want it to, but it's blinding you to the things that also are very important that you're just ignoring and saying, Oh, love conquers all. Anyway, next let's go. Sorry. Or being lied about. Don't deal in lies. Oh man. 
you can, I've been lied. You can, I, I've been lied about before. Can you tolerate it? Yeah, it's and it's not even it's being lied about. So someone's talking behind your back and lies about you. You hear about it, and then it's not dealing in lies. Meaning, not only not only do you go get mad at that person and and attack them for lying to you, but you also don't lie about them in return. You don't, you just don't deal with the lies. You don't, you don't let them, you let the truth speak for itself. I think that's, that's the main point here is that you're, you keep going because you know you're in the right and you just keep going and the truth will eventually come out and people will see it. Or being hated. Don't give way to hating. I don't like being hated. It bothers me. There's a lot of people that'll hate the thing you just said five minutes ago. Oh, I know. But I mean, I I think it's within every one of us. We want people to agree with us, you know, and I I think that's that's where a lot of that's why we see a lot of hatred happen in politics is because there's such a stark contrast between the belief systems and ideas. And because they don't agree with one another, it, it comes into this hatred that happens and it's like I mean things are said like it'd be okay if San Francisco fell off the face of the earth you know like like drastic like extreme things and you're going okay that's straight up hate because both sides of the aisle yeah both sides yeah equally guilty of it definitely and 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 that's not okay that's not how it should be and that's what he's saying here is he's saying so when someone lies to you what what do you naturally want to do you want to hate them because you hate people that are making up lies about you, trying to destroy your character when you've done nothing wrong. And so you don't, you don't deal with the lies, but when people hate you as a result of the lies that were told about you, you also don't hate those people. Don't give way to hating. You know, hating is one of those things that it's so cliche to say, but it's so true that it doesn't, the only thing it does is hurt you. Mm-hmm. It does nothing to the other person. In most circumstances, it does nothing to the other person. It, it affects you. It affects you physically. It affects you mentally. It affects you very acutely, and it does almost nothing else. Yeah. It's all in your head. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not a way to live. Nope. And, and like you said, most often we keep our hate inside. We don't go and blow up and tell the person we hate them. And so it's destroying us only on the inside. And yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not healthy. Not good. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. Mm. It's interesting. The thought process that comes here. So I think he's saying, so if you can keep all these things, because usually the last line, this is where the stanza ends, the the section, paragraph. So he says, so if you can do all these things that we've just said, but don't look too good, nor talk too wise. So what does that what do you what does that mean to you? Allow yourself to be human. 
allow people to see the the humanity because you can really if you work at it enough you can cultivate an image to the outside world or to certain groups or to certain people you can cultivate an image and if you're talented enough you can come across as infallible not everyone but there are definitely people that can they are well put together enough and are aware of their persona they're aware of how they project themselves and maybe they've practiced that and they get to the point where they're so unrelatable that they are what's the word they're, they're, they're so unrelatable that they seem fake. And I think being able to show, you know, being able to live as good of a life as possible, maybe following, like you said, all of these, these tenets of balance, but still being able to admit when you're wrong, claim responsibility, make mistakes, and be public about it, apologize for it, say dumb stuff. You know, everyone's going to say dumb stuff. Sometimes you just got to say it. And to not get so caught up in your projection that you become, it's like you almost turn in on yourself. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a it's a perfect line for like, even like we look at influencers and YouTubers. Because if a girl is too pretty and too nice and happy all the time on her stream, people are like, you're fake. Yeah. But if a girl's like down on herself all the time, doesn't take care of, they're like, that's gross, I don't want to watch it. And yeah. so there's this, there's this perfect balance of finding you look good, but not too good. You, you say things that are wise and you, and you, and you talk to people that are wise, but, but you're not too wise. You're not full of yourself to where I'm so smart. You are dumb. And, and, and we've seen people like that who are so intelligent and it's like, but they know it. And so because they know it, you don't want to listen to them. Even whether they know it or not, yeah. I think you can know it and still be humble. Yeah, I think that's really what you could boil this down to is mm-hmm. still being humble. Yes. Regardless of how much you advance, mm-hmm. still maintaining humility is yeah. really the key to this. It's interesting you bring up social media influencers. Because it is so true, you know, you see people, whether they're on the internet or not, but so many, everyone's on the internet now. So you see people that they just live this such a perfect life. And it's like, it's almost boring. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing there. It's like, oh, well, yeah, life hasn't done anything to you. And then, you see a crack in their armor and they can 
They can own it. And the level of respect for somebody that can own that crack in their armor is just immense. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that your significant other, we'll say, lost their temper? Mm. Do you re- do you remember that? Do you remember like oh, yeah. how what you thought? Yeah. Like Oh, this is a real person too. Yes. They are perfect like I thought. Yeah. Cuz that's one of those, you know, when you when you fall in love with somebody, you know, your your brain's just like this person can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 spend enough time with anybody and you you start to see something happens. They're human yeah. and they get mad. You're like, oh, okay. I guess this person's not perfect. Or they get mean to you. Yeah. Or yeah. Or they say something, say something not, not like, nice to you. Oh wait, but we love each other. How yeah. could you say something like that? Well, because yeah. you're human. Exactly. You know? yeah. And no one's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I've always, I always gauge use that as like a kind of a test, an informal test. You know you're actually close to someone when they're comfortable enough to lose their temper. Yeah. Not that it's ever good to lose your temper, but we all do occasionally. And if someone's comfortable enough, that's someone that's normally level-headed to lose their temper or to get upset, you know, around you, it's like, okay, we're comfortable enough. We've reached a certain point. We're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's good. Next paragraph. Are these called stanzas? I forget. Yeah, I think stanzas, yeah. My poetry in school was very limited. Yes. yes. (laughs) If you can dream and not make dreams your master. Hmm. Dreams are good got to have them that's a that's an important that's a point i think an important point dreams goals a better future yeah a better future conceptions of a better future yeah but then not make it your master and it's interesting because he puts it as the only person's fault who it is when you make dreams your master is yours because they're your dreams and you're making yourself achieve those or fail and then you feel like a failure. I I can't help but think of like young professionals on this that I have to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30 or I have to have the two cars, house, all this stuff by a, spurt, by a certain point in my life. And, and the pressure and the happiness that is so surrounded in and and achieving those things, and if they're not achieved, then I'm a failure. And it's just they've allowed their dreams to be become the dictator of their life. This is a tough one because I, I've I've had this. Yes, I've latched onto this before, mm-hmm. and I have that dream that you just said <laughs> of I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm thirty. Yeah. And I've had it for a long time. Yeah. But, you know, and I, you know, and I take steps to try to get there. But 
if I make it to 30 and I'm not a millionaire, I can still live a happy life. Yes. I can push it out to 40. (laughs) At least you hope you can. You haven't done it yet. So that's the plan. Life is such a balance between... There's a sweet spot in there somewhere between living in the present Mm. and living for the future. I mean, why do we work? So we can eat in the future. Why do we set goals? So we can be better in the future. We're very future oriented, Mm -hmm. which is good. That's what drives humanity along. But you got to remember too that Yesterday's future is today's present. Yes. So if you never are able to content yourself with today, what's the point of the future? Because you're just going to get there and it's going to be the same thing. And you're just going to be upset and look to the next dream. You got to be able to, to split that hair, so to speak, of I can be content and happy today and still be taking steps for a better tomorrow. Yeah. And man, if you could boil that down to a formula, you'd be the most successful person ever to have lived sure. because that's the that's the crux of humanity is in that right there. It's like how can we enjoy today and still strive for tomorrow? Mhm. And such a balance. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. So it's kind of ties into the dream. So if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim. The second part of that is a little ambiguous to me. Mm-hmm. A little fuzzy. Sure. So what do you think making thoughts your aim would constitute? I think it's thinking... If you're thinking of something, usually you don't have it. And so you're thinking about things you don't have, and that becomes your only goal. You think that's what it is? I think that's part of it. I don't think it's the only thing. Not make thoughts your aim. a deep one I, I think it's important not to be tied to tie yourself to any individual con- thought I don't even like the word thought really for that but not to tie yourself to any individual idea or scheme or plan or Fill on the blank. Yeah, because when I think of aim, I think of a target. Yeah. And so that's only going to be one bullseye that you're that you're aiming at. I, I think about this a lot in the context of spirituality, religion. People, because I know people who will take a an idea or a concept... in that domain and they will grasp it with all that they have and obsess over it 
and they won't let it go. Mm-hmm. Even if new information is presented, they they can't let it go. It's like that's their, they're so focused on that that they can't change their mind. And that's what it seems to me like. The ability to change your mind. Mm. If you can think but not make thoughts your your aim. And I don't know. This is just sure. what this is what comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think. Don't so contemplate things. But maybe not make your life about that as well. Yeah. Don't be married to your ideas. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of goes back to humility. Sure. You know? Yeah, and it, it it makes sense because the dream is right before that of that's something that's in our minds probably unachievable, but we're gonna we're gonna still have that dream of what we want. And then this one's almost like, okay, now you're in a real more realistic you're thinking and but not allowing that to dictate your life as well. Something that's more achievable maybe but it doesn't become what your life's about still. Don't take your own thoughts too seriously. Yeah. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Imposters. Both of them are imposters. Yes, that's interesting. Triumph. And I agree. And disaster. That takes a little bit of thought to come to that conclusion. It does. You think triumph, and it's interesting he uses the word triumph here because it's like, when you think of triumph, you think of like overpowered, you know, like total victory. Conquered. Conquered, yeah. It's it's a triumph, like that is a full on no chance that that team had against this team or this country had against this it was, uh, I mean, it was evident from the start who was going to win and how he experiences that but understands it's a bad thing. I don't even know if it's a bad thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what he's saying. He's calling them imposters. And when you think about Triumph and disaster are like extremes, right? Of any situation. Triumph is the good extreme. Disaster is the bad extreme. But treat them the same. They're both temporary. Mm -hmm. No triumph lasts forever. Today's triumph is tomorrow's tragedy. Yep. No disaster lasts forever either, though. Mm -hmm. And that's hopeful as well. And to be able to recognize that in both of those things in your life and say, ah, enjoy the good times. Be patient with the bad times because they're both going to pass. Yeah. And, and I think like you said, if you're, if you're able to triumph over something, a lot of things went your way. Like I just use the analogy of like a football game. Like, so many things can happen every single play that changes a game. And so when a team 
beats another team so much to where it looked like there wasn't even a hope for the other team to win. A lot of things went your way. Like, it wasn't all you, you know. And that's where I see triumph as an imposter, is you can show your power over somebody and not recognize that, well, the reason this power came this way was because of all these things that have happened. It, it's not just because I'm so great. And, and, and when you triumph, you can, again, the pride will come up and, and, and control you. Uh, it was all me. Yeah, exactly. But then disaster is the same way. When a disaster happens, you lose your home to a tornado or an earthquake or something awful happens. It's like, this world is against me. Everything is awful. And again, it's an imposter because it's coming to your life where you weren't expecting it. And, and I have to go through this. And it says, and he says here, treating them the same, meaning you don't get too high in the highs and you don't get too low in the lows. Again, somewhat going back to the level head, but even, even deeper, more specific, like bad things going to happen to you. It doesn't matter who you are. How do you react when they happen? Good things are going to happen to you. How do you act to other people? How do you act to those around you when those good things happen to you? And they're both temporary. Yep. That's the they big both one. Will, this too shall pass. Yes. Good or bad. Mm-hmm. This next one's uh, an interesting one. If you can bear... To hear the truth, to hear the truth you've spoken. So you're saying the truth. You you talked about this thing. You said this truth. But then it's twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Twisted by evil seekers, people that are that are trying to manipulate against you. It's it would be related to the can word conniver yeah knaves mm-hmm. schemers to make a trap for fools and and it's interesting here is i think that's two different types of fools one is you if you react to them twisting your words and freak out and lose your head then you've fallen into their trap because you're doing exactly what they want you to do but then it's also for those that'll listen to what they're saying. And you see these other fools listening to what these knaves or connivers are, are saying about you and and not losing your head. And if you can deal with it. Yeah. What comes to my mind with this is the again in the spiritual community mm-hmm. the televangelists yeah. the gurus the spiritual cult leaders that make such a bad name for the majority that just want to seek the truth mm-hmm. you know and having to bear that is a burden I mean, I remember even with my own family members, 
years ago, they'd be like, when you, you know, you, you tell them, oh, I go to church. They're like, oh, like Benny Hen's church. <laughs> you know, it's like, no. But, you know, these, these knaves, these connivers, they take the truth and, and they use it for their own gain. They use it to trick foolish people. It's so obvious. And it creates such a bad name. And you have to bear it. What are you going to do? Yeah, and it it's interesting too because the goal behind it is just to not see people go to church. They They themselves don't want to go. And so they insult these other things and categorize you with these negatively looked upon things uh, to say uh, we know what goes on there. It's it's nothing special. It's nothing great. And it tries to cause that to stop. But me as a, as a pastor, I, I've dealt with this one before a lot because it's the truth you've spoken that they try to twist. Something yeah. you've preached. Something you've taught. And they say, well, this is this way. And... Um, and it's hard because you, you have to first and foremost say, well, did it sound like that? Did, did I really teach it that way? And that's the first step that needs to be taken because it can also not be twisted by knaves. It can be improperly preached in the first place and taken the wrong way. Improperly (laughs) spoken. Yes. Improperly spoken in the first place. And so you are the one that needs to fix it. You're naving yourself. Yeah. Uh, but if you've preached and you know it's good and you know it's true and you've talked with other people that have heard the same thing and then you hear these the negative people that twist it and make it evil and wrong. Um, you learn to not fall into that trap by stopping by teaching the truth. You need to learn to not be worried about what other people think. Because if you allow that to dictate who you are, it's a very slippery slope and it can never be sustained. The last phrase we'll go over in this episode is Probably one of the most <laughs> difficult. It's a tearjerker, man, for men, man. He says, after he says that if you can hear the truth, you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, he says, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. How can you not think of people? Yeah. I mean, the people that you give your life to and they fall apart again and again and again. They let you down. The ones you love betray you. All of the the problems. Mm-hmm. And you still get down with your well-worn tools you could do it again. Yeah. 
people going back to forgiveness. You say, yep, that's destroys me, but we're going to forgive and get up and get past that. And it's also, I think, too, right there with the things you give your life to and they break. Um, it can be a business. It can be a family. It can be so many things that we give our lives to. It can be a church. Church, yeah. And something happens to where it breaks. Like, it, it's not the same, and it can't be the same ever again. And it's looking down and saying, well, let's build it again. Let's let's do what needs to be done to to make this a positive thing once again. And that's that's a whew, that's a tough one. You talk to most business people, successful business people, and you get to know them, and you find out that majority of them have had. Not one, but multiple failures mm-hmm. in their professional life. Business, you know, businesses that have went under. Maybe jobs that didn't go well. They lost money. File bankruptcy. All these horrible things. But the difference is they got back up, they dusted themselves off. And they went for it again, smarter, more well-equipped. And then they became, built a successful business or they, they landed a better job. Or Most successful people have had their fair share of failures. It's almost required. Yeah, it's like a prerequisite. But that being able to get back in there and, okay, let's break out the tools again. Let's try it. Let's try this again, a little bit different strategy. And what a leader that makes. Yeah. It shows character of, we failed. That's okay. Let's get back up. That stick with itness mm-hmm. and keep going. Hmm. It's a big one. It's good stuff. Yes, it is. We're halfway through. Halfway. Part one. Part one is done. Thanks for listening. Part two will be out on Friday. Gets good. Gets even better. Have a good week, everyone. Yep.